0: It gets better cuz it has to get better. We're all made of human hello and welcome to the Made of Human podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I guess you'd say if this was a radio show, thank you for downloading this and, and listening to it. Uh, it's a, it's a podcast in which I try to talk to people about about how to do life, I'm trying to understand how life works and how to be an adult person. I'm not saying I have the answers; I really don't. But I do have some uh, brilliant guests who can give you some kind of perspective and <laughs> maybe uh, remind you that you're not alone in not knowing how to to do this stuff. So that's the podcast. I am. Uh, <laughs> I am. I'm so tired. I'm sorry. So so tired. This is International Women's Day, and. I'm meant to not work and and strike and I wish oh, I just hadn't even I hadn't planned I hadn't planned it I'm a I'm a bad feminist today I have to do this I have to I have to work and it's um yeah I'm I have so much I have so much respect for people who fight That's all I can say. I have so much respect for people who fight. And uh, last week, uh, on last week's episode, I shared the story about an Irish promoter who uh, have set bad things on stage, bad things about bad people, racial slurs, sexist stuff, homophobic stuff. And uh, I asked you all to go in and and sign a petition. And so many of you have done that. I think we must have had about 500 extra signatures on this petition. I've had retweets, I've had people supporting, I've had people sharing their stories with me. And all I can say is thank you. Thank you for, for actually doing something. I keep tweeting it. I you know, the, that promoter has been in touch, basically asking me to stop tweeting about it. So now I'm tweeting about it every single day because, uh, you know, that's that feels threatening. It feels threatening when someone goes, stop doing this, when, when this guy has said things that I can't even repeat to you because it would hurt so much. So... Uh, yeah go twitter it's it'll still be on um the petition will still be on the Emma Halton episode show notes. If you want to go and sign it. Uh, I told you that I would keep you up to date with what's happening. I am in dialogue with uh, the promoter in question and I'm trying to I've let him know basically what he has to do in order for this to go away, which is you know apologize like genuinely apologize understand like let like exp- explain. That he understands what he's done and how that's gruesome, and then promise to change and then actually change. Uh, you know, it's not a witch hunt. We don't just want to, for fun, make someone unemployed. That's not what this is about. It's about, it's about using power and money as the because that's the only thing that some people can can understand is if you threaten to take away their power and their money. It's not about human decency anymore. They wouldn't listen to that. You can't empathize with some people you need to say right okay we're going to take away the only thing that that actually matters to you we're going to threaten to try and get you out of this business because you're hurting people and you know if, if you don't learn what you're doing wrong then I mean we just can't have we can't have uh, women gay people and, and uh, people of color feeling unsafe you know because it will just end up with a lot of white straight cisgendered men who you know they can do all the rape jokes they want on stage and because the promoter and the m c of this gig is one of them as well so so that's so that's why i'm uh I'm grateful for everyone who fights and I feel bad about being a bad feminist today so okay i'll quickly run through all this stuff i'm also i've been I've been crying so much because you people because I've told you about the t shirts we have t shirts now both with the new logo. Uh, which is by Linda Brinkhouse and uh, the two Susan Kalman t-shirts with the Susan Kalman uh, hashtags, Sophie and Susan in a caravan um, t-shirts. And it's uh, you're sending me photos of you wearing them and I'm just crying because it's so beautiful. And like my face on the t-shirt, who, who knew? I mean it's incredible and I'm so touched and um, so yeah thank you for sending that Uh, you can buy the t-shirts on madeofhumanpodcast.com under shop and uh, oh I'm so excited the first time I see someone wearing that in person I'm going to explode and and cry and all of that so hmm. so if you want to see me explode and cry buy a t-shirt and then buy a ticket for my show Shimmer Shatter which is at the Soho Theatre in May first week of May you can buy tickets on sohotheatre.com if you wear the t-shirt I'll explode uh, <laughs> I might explode inside of myself because I'm not good at showing emotions, but I will definitely freak out in some capacity. If you want to know about other gigs I'm doing, go to sophiehagen.com forward slash newsletter and I'll tell you all about what I'm doing tour-wise, Edinburgh show-wise, London shows-wise, Denmark shows-wise, all of that. So, oh, um, also, I there's a thing called British Podcast Awards and I think you can go to that and vote for the mopod which would obviously be incredible, but... I you know I'm always I'm asking way too much of you so um, you know if you have a lot of time on your hands that would be lovely I would I would cry again but also I don't want to like push you to do too much stuff okay so the guest this day the guest in this episode is Gina Yashere who is my idol I was scared I was scared of fucking this up because she's so cool and I guess that, I think that's the first thing I say to her is how cool she is she's so cool and um, what you need to know is about after. I think 48 minutes or so, uh, The my recorder stopped, just stopped. Um, and then I we had to use the emergency recording. And I don't think it's too much of a difference. I don't think it'll annoy you too much. But for the last couple of minutes, the sound will be a tiny bit weird. But that's, I think, I think I've managed to fix it. So that's all you need to know. Uh, and now, you know what, just let yourself be inspired as fuck <laughs> by one of the strongest people i know uh and funniest and loveliest uh please enjoy this episode with Gina Yashere. Right, say something.
1: Hello. Gina, what's happening, Sophie? <laughs> That's perfect. i good. Uh,
0: so you just came back from
1: yeah so my last show was in bangkok at the bangkok comedy club wow yeah so that was on the way back because what i do every year i go i come back to london to see my family for christmas then i do i go to thailand so i book a, a london thailand flight and come back and then so i go to thailand and then from there i just book whatever gigs i can around asia pop all around asia and then i fly back to bangkok and then fly back to London from there. Yeah. Are you a good traveller? Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty much of an expert on the whole thing now. I'm yeah. an expert traveller. I don't I don't enjoy the flight so much. I'm not a big, you know, uh, but I make it as comfortable as I can. Yeah? yeah. Any tips? Uh, tips for what? Flying yeah. or just general travelling? General travelling. Always have an extension lead. I have an extension ah. lead because some of the hotels are very stingy with the old... Uh, <laughs> yeah electric socket so i have an extension lead never travel without one i also have a long hdmi lead to plug from my laptop to any tv so i can watch my stuff from my laptop on a tv oh, in the hotel that is room. smart so i can stream my tv yep so those are two things i never travel without. i also have a satin sleeping bag because i'm very ocd about a satin sleeping,
0: sleeping
1: bag yeah if i don't trust the bed Oh. It looks weird to me. I get in my sleeping bag in the bed and I have my own pillow, travel pillow, and travel slippers. because I am weirdly OCD.
0: Yeah,
1: about yeah. Uh, sleeping in uh, other beds. Yeah, sleeping in other beds, carpet. I don't. My feet never touch the floor. Oh, is it a Things hygiene
0: are. thing or like a dirt thing? It's or? a dirt thing. Yeah. I'm not.
1: People say, "Oh, you're a germaphobe." I'm not a germaphobe. I just it's dirt. I don't. Ugh. If there's a stain on the sheets, that puts me right off the whole. Even if it's just, It puts me off and that What if
0: you knew Where it was from Or is it the Not knowing part
1: Yes the not knowing
0: Yeah so if you knew Oh that's chocolate From the previous Even that even Makes that. me feel
1: sick I'm <laughs> like why is there Still chocolate thought. on the bed From somebody else It's yeah, gross That's a good point So I'll put my sleep And it could be chocolate It could be shit You don't know You never know So yeah sleep. It's very small so It rolls up really small because I did a month of traveling around with just hand luggage.
0: Wow.
1: So I just had a roller and a rucksack, so I had to pack very ruthlessly. Yeah. So, yeah. And I suffer from uh, sleep apnea, so that was included in my CPAP machine. And what is that, sleep apnea? It's a, uh, basically, I stop breathing in the night when I'm sleeping. That's my neck just basically... Sounds like a bad thing. tries to kill me. Yeah, so basically I have to have a mask that I wear wow. on my face and a little machine that blows oxygen down the smarts to keep my airways open Holy otherwise shit. i suffocate in my sleep
0: <laughs> Could you get that through customs and, and through security oh, yeah, it's
1: medical equipment it's great <laughs> so when you fly easyJet and they go oh you only load on the plane with the rucksack and you have to pay to have a roller i go no it's medical equipment oh amazing so even if i haven't got it with me i still say i've got it with me
0: <laughs> that's
1: oh wow how long have you i mean that makes it difficult to Travel, but you would do it anyway. Yeah, it's, a, a it's only a small machine. I got the smallest one you can get. Um, yeah, it's not fun. I got diagnosed no. in 2005. I got to sleep with a frigging machine attached to my face. Jesus. It's not fun. No. But I get sleep now. Whereas before, for years, I didn't realize because uh, when you're doing, you're suffocating in your sleep, so you're waking up. 50 times a night and you don't realise it because you're in oh, that. Oh, you don't know why. Yeah, and so you, all day you're like, why am I so tired? I slept eight hours, but you didn't. You slept maybe an hour if you're lucky. Whoa. So that was happening to me for years. And then I went to... Yeah, for uh, like, what, the first, what, like, 30-something years? No, like? it came, uh, I don't know how long I've had it, to be honest. It might have been 30-something years, but I don't, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? But then, oh, you know, I've been told before, yeah, you stop breathing. Or you snore <laughs> really loud. It's because you're not breathing. Because you're like you're like
0: oh, you wow. did that.
1: You don't realise you're doing it because you're asleep. Holy shit! So yeah, that sounds fairly dangerous. It is. If it's not treated, it yeah. can uh, cause heart damage to your heart because your heart is constantly fight or flight. When you're, because you're suffocating, your heart's like. Yeah. Ugh! So it causes damage to your heart over a long period of time, and it can cause strokes and diabetes and all kinds of shit. So Holy shit! Well, that, yeah. I'm sorry
0: for opening with that. <laughs>
1: But, hey, I've got a machine.
0: you got the machine. I'm good. you got the machine this the machine sleeping that. In I'm the pretty healthy. Courts. That's great. You you kind of, you amaze me in so many ways because you're so just, it's, I mean, confident doesn't even begin to cover it. <laughs> like, cool. I want to say
1: cool. I like cool. Cool yeah. is good. I like cool. Yeah, cool works. Cool. Have you always been cool? No. I was not a popular kid at school. No? No, not at all. Um...
0: I can't imagine
1: that. Oh, yeah. I used to fight. So oh. I, I got, you know, I didn't get bullied because I used to fight back a lot. So I constantly got into fights at school, but I was not popular. Physical fights? Physical fights, yeah. What? I it fought a lot. Took people out. And I had to. It was either get beaten up or fight back and, and just make people think you're crazy and then they don't bother you so much. So I went the other way. <laughs> I went the, the crazy way. route like, oh, that bitch is crazy. Don't fight her. She will. Uh, sure, I'll throw chairs across the classroom. I did all Holy that kind shit. of stuff as a kid. But yeah, so I was not cool at school. Um, I was brought up, you know, I was my family's Nigerian. So there was a divide between the Caribbean kids and the African kids. It's not so much now. The newer generation, the younger generation is a lot better. But when I was a kid, we're talking sort of 70s, 80s. Yeah, uh, being an African kid was not cool as a black kid. So all the, I never suffered racism from white kids. I suffered it from other black kids. Caribbean kids go, you yeah, 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 African this, African that, because obviously there was that divide, slavery, and right. it's cut, passed down from generations. So the Caribbean people at the time, now people know more about their history and they don't, they, you know, the whole thing of slavery. But at the time, Caribbean kids were like, yeah, we were taken out of Africa because Africans are primitive and they're animals and they live like this. and all. Basically, it was the indoctrination that they've been wow. given by white people for hundreds of years and it trickled down. And so at school, I'm talking about when I'm eight years old, I'm getting other black kids spitting on me. Are you african you faggot. You know, so that's what I went through. But it's better now because, well, I was born in England. My kids and the people of my age and my kids will be born in England. So everybody's born in England. So you've all got the same background. But at the time, my mum was an African, is an African. And she'd come to parents' evening with full, you know, African attire on. So I couldn't deny it. My mum was an African. So, yeah, there was a lot of that. Tribalism. Wow. Kind, kind of like of.
0: internalized
1: yeah. racism or something. It's, it's internalized self hatred, yeah. basically. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot better now because a lot we're a lot more knowledgeable about what happened, and, and so now people are a lot more aware that all black people came from Africa. Where at the time, Caribbeans were like, "We ain't African. I'm Jamaican," or "I'm you know they didn't wow. know the history of it." And that was like 70s? That's like that's recently. I know, but we weren't really taught about it much in schools. I remember the lesson on slavery at school. It was literally one lesson. It was like it was it was that diagram that of all the bodies in the boat and go, This is how the slaves were arranged. And that was the one lesson. And just the logistics. Yeah, and I didn't even relate to that. I didn't even realise. Even my family's African and I did not relate to that. I was like, oh, like, and then you read, then you see roots, then roots open my mind. I was like, oh shit. That's what happened to us. But, you know, the school lessons, it was very much brushed aside. So because of that, that's why you had a lot of kids not knowing their full history. And I suffered a lot of mistreatment at school. So I'd have a bunch of friends that I'd hang out with, but I was the only African in the group. So if I fell out with one of them, all of them turned on me. So I'd ha- end up having to fight all of them or none of them talking to me for whatever, two weeks until that person decided we were friends again. Then they all talked to me again. It was all that shit. So I couldn't wait to leave school. <laughs> <laughs> shit.
0: What did you do between school and, and stand-up?
1: I was an engineer.
0: You were an engineer?
1: Yeah. So uh, my family's pretty academic. So my mum, and it's an African thing. You know, an African family, you've, got, you've only got like four career choices, doctor, lawyer, accountant, engineer Engineer. and and the extra one is disgrace to the family so you pick one of those and um (laughs) so i was meant to be the doctor literally my mum brought me up thinking i was going to be a doctor and i thought i was gonna be a doctor until i got to a level biology and then uh, oh no and then we had to cut open a rat and i was like oh yeah yeah and that's when i discovered i cannot stand the sight of blood or anything what about when you beat people up with not blood there no It was kids fighting. It wasn't like now where kids are stabbing each other in the face. I'm talking fisticuffs. It was not like it was like pull each other's hair and you know roll around a bit and then that was the end of that. And it was like oh Gina won. All right, stay away from her. It wasn't like proper. I wasn't hurting people. You know, it was it was kids fights. What they're supposed to be. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. not, Not like now where kids actually die. You know. Yeah. so yeah. So you couldn't, you can't deal with blood either. Can't deal with it. So I switched from that to engineering. So I studied I had physics, maths, and French A level. That's what I studied, and <sighs> yeah. then from there I worked as an engineer. I worked for British Telecom for a few years, and then my last job before I did stand up, I used to work for Otis, building and repairing lifts. Wow. That's what I did.
0: And then you thought, no, I'm going to go with the disgrace.
1: <laughs> well, I you know what? I didn't know anything about comedy. I'd never really. You know, you see comedians on TV, but you just assume that's a different breed of person. Yeah. I never thought I could be that. People no. always told me I was funny. And I remember at school, a drama teacher, going, you need to be an actor or something. You need to be an entertainer. Because, you know, I either fought to, to stay, keep the bullies away or I used humor. So it was one of those two. It was more fighting than humor but you know I did use humor from time to time so people always told me I was funny but I was an engineer and I was happy to be an engineer I was working my career path I was gonna do my engineering then go into management and I had it all worked out my career path worked out but working for this company Otis I was the first female engineer they'd ever had in England in their hundred year history Wow! so they didn't know what to do with me they had me on all the brochures. <laughs> Like, if you look at all the brochures of Otis in the 90s, it would be pictures of me. Then we are an equal opportunity. Look at that. we got a black girl fixing. So they had me on all the brochures. But when it came to actually promoting me the way that I'm supposed to be, like the way the other guys were being promoted, that wasn't happening. So after a few years of that, I, I I took them to like a, a grievance procedure because I was like, this is what I'm supposed to get after I've done this, this and this, which is what all my colleagues get. I'm not getting it. So I went to a grievance procedure. Now I'm supposed to have a union representative because I paid my union dues for the whole four years I was there. This was what my actual union rep said to me. Ah, we don't know about this women stuff. And they refused to represent me at my procedure. Yeah, my Holy union shit. did Wait, not... What was this? This was in 1991, 2, something like that. Jesus. So God. they refused to represent me. My, so obviously I went to the grievance procedure by myself and they ruled against me, obviously, because yeah. I had no backup. So I sort of potted on in that job for another year or so and then I thought, you know what, fuck it, I'm done with this. You know, I'm done with it. So th- in the middle of sort of 94, Four ninety five. The building industry in England went through a slump, mm. and they were making people redundant. They didn't want to make me redundant because I was their fucking token black girl to put on all their brochures. But I went into the management. I said, "You make me redundant, or else I'm going to leave and take you to a tribunal." So the choice is yours. So they made me redundant. I got a payoff, and I had the summer off. This happened in the summer, so I had the summer off, and I was like, "Yay! I got money." You know, they gave me about five grand, which at the time was a lot of money at the age of twenty two. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, "I'm rich." So I had the summer off, you know, I had a flat that my rent was very cheap. It was like a hundred quid a month and a car all paid off. So I was like, oh, life is good. So I spent the summer just chilling out, enjoying myself, living the same lifestyle. And then it was in that time that I fell into comedy because I was like, right, okay, let me do stuff that I've always fancied doing. that you know, I never had time to do because I had a job. So, you know, I did a couple of acting workshops and you know i did voluntary work and and how i got into comedy was i was doing voluntary work for this uh, organization that you know did stuff in the black community and one day they were like we're going to do a talent show like we're going to do a show a fundraiser so like if you're a poet singer or anything just come on and do some stuff and me and my two friends were always messing around and we, i wrote what i thought was a play <laughs> a serious play yeah i thought it was a play and it was humorous but i thought it was a play and it, was, and it was serious because it was a play and it ended with a, us doing African dance at the end of it. Like, <laughs> it was a 15-minute play. So I wrote this thing for the, me and my two friends to, to, uh, to perform and people pissed themselves laughing throughout the whole play and I was like, oh, this must be comedy. <laughs> and that's how I got into comedy and then the other two girls didn't really want to continue it so I continued myself as a stand-up and that's how I got into it. You know, how I first did my first stand-up thing was... Uh, I did this play and then we, we kept taking it to talent competitions and winning competitions with this one play. And I had writer's block. So we just did this, did this one <laughs> sketch. And then one day the two girls didn't turn up for a semi-final that we'd got through to. So I went on stage and just talked for a few minutes. And they were like, we love it. And we, I won and got us through to the final. So then I was like, hmm, hmm, I can do this by myself. <laughs> and that's how it went. Wow And that's how I got into comedy Wow And then you just started gigging Were well, you not nervous? Luckily for me I got laughed the first time I did it yeah. Maybe If I hadn't And I'd got booed off Maybe I'd have gone That's yeah, not oh. for me And I might Because I'm a person I throw everything into it Yeah. And if it works Great If it doesn't I'm like alright onto the next thing And that's how my life has always been So I, think I was lucky That I'm naturally funny So it worked And then I just worked on it And worked on getting better But yeah I'd get little £5 gigs here, £10 gigs here. And I was like, this is good. If I can make sort of 50 quid a week doing this, this is all right. And I just sort of carried on doing that. And yeah, and I was like, well, I'll go back to engineering, you know, in the winter. So I'll enjoy summer for six weeks, six months or whatever. And then in the winter, I'll go back to work, go and get a proper job again. But, you know, that never happened. That That was like 21 years ago. Holy
0: shit. (laughs) When was the first time in comedy that you felt like... Oh, this isn't just, you know, this is no longer just an upgoing spiral of good things. Oh, what, when it, when it started to not be good anymore? Yeah, you know, or? when you, because when you, you, it sounded like everything just went really well in the beginning. And there must have been a time where, you know, when you start realising, oh, shit, this, this is hard for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, it started going really well. Within six months, I got on, you know, talent show on TV and started getting bits and bobs. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is great. I'm really good at this. I'm going to be a star. You know, that's how you think. And then I hit my first obstacles, you know, the bit of racism, the bit of sexism, not getting certain things because I didn't look a certain way. And then I was like, oh, shit, this is a slog. So it became, yeah, and then it became more of like, oh, this is going to be a struggle. And and it turned it more into a job than more the fun part. You know, first I was just excited. It was fun. This is great. Mm. And then it became, all right, I want to make a living of this. And now I want to be successful. You know, when I first started out, it was like it was just, you know, whatever, whatever happens, happens. This is awesome. And then it was like then it kicked in. All right. This is serious. This is what I'm going to do for a living. I need to be really good at this. And I'm an engineer. So I think like an engineer. So I'm like, right. So if I do this for a certain number of years and get this good, I should get this TV show. And then after I get this TV show, I should go on to this. So that's how I worked it out and it obviously didn't work out that way but well, was
0: that because you hadn't taken sexism and racism and stuff into I, account i hadn't
1: taken that into yeah. account you know as when i was an engineer i was like right i had got these qualifications and so i had to get this yeah so i put the same s- sort of methodical thinking it's a comedy right i get this good i can do this amount of time i make this number of people laugh i should get this and it it yeah it came pretty early on sort of year two years in i was like oh shit that's not necessarily how it's going to work simply because I look a certain way or sound a certain way. So that's when it became, it came, you know, it became a lot clearer to me. Well, so were you
0: surprised? Because I'm, su- I'm surprised how surprised I am.
1: Yeah, you know? I, I was surprised. And I was surprised at how cutthroat the business was and how comedians were so bitter and angry. And, and there was a lot of hatred towards me when I first came out. Not, yeah, people thought I was cocky or whatever. But, but, you know, I wasn't cocky. I was confident and I, I was like, I'm pretty good at this and I am going to get better and I was ambitious. And when you see that in a younger comic and sometimes it, make, it sort of rubs you up the wrong way. So that happened a lot to me at the beginning. But then it got to a point where I was like, oh, these guys all hate me because I'm good. <laughs> They're threatened by me. And then my attitude changed. I was like, fuck them. I'm going to give them something to really... And then my whole attitude <laughs> changed. Yeah, I became, because I wasn't that confident. I was confident. It was, it was more, you know, it was a, I had a swagger about me, but I wasn't that con- I wanted everybody to like me. I wanted everybody to be my friend. And I was very sad when comedians were, you know, talking about me behind my back and I was hearing all this stuff coming back about me and going, why? And then after I had that epiphany, I was like, well, fuck them. Wow. I'm just going to be really fucking good and piss them right off. <laughs> Changed my attitude. Yeah, do you still have that? Yeah. I, you no oh, you don't care. You don't give a shit about. Uh, oh, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I don't care. I say what I say. You like me or you don't. You know, some comedians like me. Some pretend they like me and they talk shit about me behind my back. Fuck them. I don't care. I'll keep pissing them off with my success. <laughs> because they hate that oh god it,
0: you i've seen you talk was that on i feel like it might have been on instagram yesterday or something or when you talked about the difference between because then you moved to america to yes. new york
1: oh yeah yeah and you, oh yeah because i've just sold a special yeah that's, down, oh, I see so. yeah so i just sold a special well my i've made three specials i make all my own specials nice. because they weren't giving it to me they're not going to give it to me uh you know other comedians, they just come out, they got seven minutes of material and suddenly they're on TV and suddenly they're getting their stand-up DVDs made and money put into them. That never happened for me. So I was like, well, I want to make DVDs. I, I've got lots of jokes and I think I'm really good and I've got an audience out there that, that want to hear it, but nobody's offering that shit to me. So I'm, I'm going to make my own, fuck them. My thing has always been, fuck them. If they don't, they don't give it to me, I'm going to do it. So yeah, I literally put my own money and made my own spe- uh, DVDs, specials. They call them specials in America. So I made three of them. With my own money. And uh, the first one uh, I made, it was called Skinny Bitch, because I used to be a big girl and I lost weight and people thought I was sick. So, you know, and I sold that one to Showtime in the U- US, which is big. The second one, I've got a distribution built all over. It's, already on, it's on Sirius. I get nice checks every month from Sirius X. Is it Sirius? Anyway, you know, the digital radio. Yeah, yeah. So I sold that to them. The third one I've just sold to CISO TV, which is a new uh, online channel, which is kind of going up against Netflix, except they only have comedy. All they do is comedy. So they just bought my third special. So I I was on Instagram and putting clips of the new special because it launched yesterday. And Mm. I was talking about how I've only been in America less than 10 years and I've sold three stand up specials in America. And in England, I'm way more famous than I ever, way more famous than I am in America. And yet, I've never had any of my stand-up DVDs or specials on any TV channel anywhere in England. What does that tell you? You know, what does that tell you? Mm. Do you think there's a... I don't know, if there must be an
0: equivalent. We have a thing in Denmark or in Scandinavia called Jantelo, Mm -hmm. which means like the law of Janta, which is based on a book. And it's 10 rules about it's kind of hard to explain, but it's kind of 10 rules and they are, uh, don't think you're better than anyone else, don't think we need to listen to you more than we need to listen to anyone else, don't think that you're more important than anyone else, don't think you're special. It's all these rules that mm. we kind of put into everyone in Scandinavia where, you know, you, we don't tell kids you could be president. We would go, yeah, but maybe you just need to do a little, t- whatever. Really? And I feel like there's a bit of that in in that like humbleness or like a, a, you kind of have to be a bit humble in uh, in at least in the UK as well, you don't you don't really.
1: It's fake though. Yeah. I hate it when I hear comedians who've made it big go. Oh, I don't know. I must have been in the right place at the right time. It's just. I'm like fuck off. You worked your ass off. You were super ambitious, and and that's how you got. Just say it. You worked hard for it. You wanted it, and that's why you have it. Don't fucking put. That. I hate that fake humility thing. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not into that at all. But
0: you feel like it's a thing, right? If you get yeah. reactions from being. The opposite of that. Yeah, I mean, people. It's, it's and, terrified
1: of and, that. Yeah, exactly, and that's why America's a better home for me because everybody's like, "Yeah, we can do it. This is it. Yeah, I want it, and I'm having it." And that's always been. I'm, I'm kind of gung ho, you know, and that's always been my attitude. I'm like, "Yeah, I feel I'm good at what I do. I think I'm fucking great at what I do." So yeah, I feel like I should be as getting. And that's the thing. That's the the, the problem. I've got to stop comparing myself. I've learned over the years to stop comparing myself to other people. Just getting hold on a minute. How did... But it's frustrating sometimes when mm. you see people getting on. And you're like, come on. He got on because his dad's this person. Or mm. he got on because he's white and middle class. And that's the only thing. He's not any funnier than me. And that irritates the fuck out of me. But I've learned to let that go. <laughs> I've learned to let it go and just follow my path. Yeah. Yeah. How do you learn that? Because I know that's that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Yeah. Uh, You just have to keep reminding yourself, hold on. Every time I go, fuck, why is that? Why has she got that away? Then I go, hold on a minute, Gina. You've made a great living for 20 years doing something you absolutely love doing. Not many people can do that. Most people spend 40 odd years working in jobs that they don't enjoy or they hate just to earn money to put food on the table. I travel around the world talking shit for money and I love doing it. I love waking up in the morning. It's great. So that's how I have to go. There's a lot of people who love to be doing what you're doing right now. Shut the fuck up. So that's how, I, that's basically what I do to myself. I tell myself every once in a while. <laughs> do you feel like you're, the way you approach
0: comedy, is that, do you approach life in the same way? Or do you, is comedy the place where you're
1: like, everything's going right no, I pr- approach life pretty much the same way. I go for it. If I'm into something or somebody, I go for it. Then when it's over, I'm like, oh, all right then. Oh, I'm sad. All right, next. That's how I am. I don't Do you know where. No fear. Are you not
0: scared at all? I get
1: scared on your behalf. Hearing this <laughs> happening. Do you have no fear. I have fear, but then you just, you just go, well, what could possibly go wrong? If it goes, if as long as it's not going to kill me. Yeah. And even then, I'm like, fuck it. You know, I've got diagnosed with lupus, which is a life-threatening disease. And I was like, yeah, well, let's see if I can, you know, work out a way around this. Fuck it. I'm not letting it beat me yet until I'm dying. I'm not dying yet. So let's see if I can work my way around this. And that's how my attitude has always been. Yeah, I get frightened. You get scared and I go, fuck, this is scary. Ah." And then I go, all right, well, what can I do about this? You know, and... I try and work yeah. my way. What it might that... be a defense mechanism. It, oh. might, it might all be buried deep inside me. And oh, just, God. My heart will explode one day and oh, I'll yeah. die because it all comes back all at once. But, all the fear at once. Yeah.
0: <laughs> where does that come from? Do you, do you? Can you look back at your life and see where that, where that happened, that you got that attitude to it?
1: Uh, uh, well, my mum came over to England as an immigrant by herself pretty much my, my she came over my dad my def, dad left when I was three so I don't even really never really knew my dad so my mum brought us up by ourselves we had a stepdad who's a cunt that was another story so I think it was just that resilience you just had to have that resilience and that get up and go and you know and my mum was even though she's a confident Nigerian woman you see her out with her friends at any party she's the life and soul but at the same time at home, she was very smothering of us. Like, we weren't allowed to go anywhere, do anything, no school trips, nothing. She was super over, ridiculously overprotective of us. So she kind of smothered us in that way and that we weren't allowed to go anywhere, do anything. Which means I rebelled Crazy when I hit eighteen, I was like i 'm going clubbing skydiving i 'm going to ride motorbikes i 'm going to race cars i 'm going to do stuff that you would never let me do as a child, so I just went a bit crazy the other end, you know, but it was a good rebellion i didn 't become a criminal <laughs> yeah. i didn 't end up pregnant, you know what I mean I just literally just went i 'm going to do all the devil devil shit, so I think that came from a, it was a release well, as soon as I got old enough eighteen I was like all right i 'm old enough i 've got a job i 've got a car she can 't tell me anything now i 'm free do you still get that? Huh? Do you think you?
0: Do you think you still do that? Part of you is still rebelling.
1: Uh, not so much now. I've worn my mum down over the years. Yeah. Now <laughs> she's like, ugh oh god it's Gina I'm the crazy one in the family basically so now I've just worn them down they're like oh yeah it's just Gina that's what she does how many siblings I've got two brothers two sisters and you are in I'm second so I've got an older sister who's eight years older than me then me and then two brothers all of us in like me 18 months brother 18 months another brother and then three years sister so my mum after my older sister she waited a bit and then knocked us all out back to back (laughs) Wow, and are they all uh, engineers and doctors? The way my older sister was an auditor, now she's a counselor. Mm. My brother works for manage- is a manager on the London Underground. So that's basically they've all yeah. they're all normal people. Yeah. I'm the only one in the family who's not normal. How was left? Accept How was that taken in? I went out told my mum. I left my engineering job, and my mum was like, "You're gonna get another job." Oh yeah, yeah, I'm gonna get another job, and then I went into comedy. And then tell my mum, it's going to be a comedian. She's like, what is this? You want to be a clown? I don't, I don't understand. She just didn't get it. She thought comedian was clown. She thought it was the same thing. <laughs> so she didn't get it. But then, you know, I got reasonably successful quite early. Got on TV quite early. And then she was like, oh, you're on TV with Jonathan Ross. Oh, and then the whole <laughs> thing was validated by Jonathan Ross. And then now she's, she couldn't be prouder.
0: Oh, that's good! In fact,
1: I did. I hosted um, live at the Apollo this season, and my mum was in the crowd. And oh. I did the I did the whole routine about my mum and how crazy, overprotective she was, and how you know she wasn't impressed with the whole comedy thing. And then I was like, my mum's in the crowd, and my mum just stood up like all the live at the Apollo crowd. We're like, My mum's <laughs> like, yeah, just <laughs> lapping it up. You gotta watch it; it's hilarious. I'm like, all right, mum, you can sit down, sit down, mum. She's like, yes, I am the one. Yes, it is me. And uh, I was hoping That the BBC Would leave it in And they did Which was great oh, that's Yeah they left it in yeah, It's so amazing. funny You've got to watch it It's hilarious I'd
0: love to Is that on um, YouTube, Facebook Or what you Yeah it should be We YouTube, can't see, and, see so here Can yeah, we Yeah
1: they uh, But that's live at the Apollo That's here Oh, yes, oh two, yeah Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, th- oh yeah That'll it be on YouTube la- It was on last week oh, Amazing Yeah so Yeah uh, And she watched it Over and over again Oh my mum loves it But yeah. uh, the first time It went out I was calling my mum Going you watching me?" yourself My mum was on the phone To all her friends <laughs> going, watch me, I'm on TV, I'm coming on in five minutes. Wait, wait. So I don't even think she watched it. She was so busy calling all her friends to make sure they watched it. Hilarious.
0: That's amazing. So you have a good relationship with
1: her. Yeah, I mean, we drive each other nuts because we're both Aries and both fiery and very stubborn and very obstinate. But yeah, I mean, she drives me mad. We have massive fights and then I don't talk to her for two days and then I call her back and we just carry on where we left off. That sounds normal, right? Sort of.
0: (laughs) Are you, are you easy being in a relationship with?
1: Uh, I think I am. But then again, no, I think I'm not. But m- most of my girlfriends think I am. I'm reasonably easy.
0: Yeah. So, well, I was trying to Google you to see if there was anything in any interviews. And I found an interview where you basically said you were probably never going to find anyone. You were just going to be alone
1: forever. And you were <laughs> kind of a commitment phobe. And- well, it wasn't just a commitment. But I like being alone. I like it I like my own freedom and all previous girlfriends or partners have always been clingy and always and after a while that just annoys the fuck out of me if you call me too many times it annoys me and then I stop returning calls and then it becomes a thing and it becomes weird for my current girlfriend who I've been with for three years is easy we have a good time we have fun when we're away she's not too busy she doesn't stalk me too much you know and she has her own life and her own friends and her own interest which is great so that's working well so far fingers crossed it's been three and a half years it's good she's lovely she's great oh I met her in Rotterdam yes she did you did meet yeah, her in Rotterdam that's she's great. great so we have a good time we're fun and there's no it's no clingy there's no weirdness so this could be the one. Oh, fingers think crossed yeah I think because in the interview you said that you would never if you ever ended
0: up with anyone you'd have to have uh you could never live together you'd have to have a house next to each other
1: yeah Would you live together? We do. And how's that going? It's going really well. Yeah. When I first moved in with her, I did not want to. Because basically, I met her, I was living in Los Angeles when I met her. She lives in New York. I was living in LA and it's so funny because I, let's say June 2013, I'd said to myself, right, in a year's time, June 2014, I am moving to New York. I'm done with LA. So I made that decision and I spent 12 months closing down my life and preparing for my move. So I had the date set, June, I'm moving. I met her in August Mm. and she lives in New York. So I was like, well, it's the the universe telling me you need to go. But when I came to New York, I had no intention of moving in with her. I was looking for apartments because I was like, I'm not moving in with somebody that I've just met. Let's just, you know, I like my own space. I like my own. When I come home, I just want to sometimes veg out and I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to put the TV on veg or sit in silence and stare at whatever. I sometimes I just want to do that. So if you've got someone who's like, talk to me, because I had a girlfriend who was like that. Talk to me, why are you talking? Why are you so quiet? Because I just need fucking space. Leave me alone, you know? So I didn't want to move in with her, but she, I was like, I'm going to, she came with me to look at apartments and every once in a while she'd go, you do realise I have a house, right? <laughs> <laughs> I do have a house. You're spending, you're going to be spending two and a half, three thousand dollars a month on an apartment when i got a house. And I'd be like, yeah, but I need my own space. Okay, fine. But, you know, my house has got lots of space. And and so in the end, I was like, all right, I'll come and live with you for a few months. We'll see how it goes. But if I don't like it, you you won't get upset if I leave and go and get my own place. Yep, yep, no problem. Moved in and it's just been sweet. It's been really great. It's been fun. (laughs) We get on really well. We live together really well. It's been awesome.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Did you see that happen? Like when you you were of... of What, like a child, uh, a punchy, punchy child? (laughs) They were punchy. I just fought back. I didn't
1: start fights. Okay. I just ended them. It's different. Okay. I got picked on. (laughs) Yeah. And then I was like, well, I have to fight back. Otherwise, I'm going to be the bull. I'm going to get bullied and get kicked about. So I used to fight back. Revengeful. Revengeful child. No, not not revenge. Not revenge. Self-defense. Self-defense. It was a way of defending myself and making sure that I did not become a victim of bullying. Do you know what I mean? I didn't want to. How
0: how long does that happen? Does that I in my head you punch back once and then they're like,
1: okay, we'll leave you alone forever. But they just that's not how it works. No. Oh really? It, it, I had to take a few fights. Yeah. Not all the time, but I took a few. Then then I got the I got the reputation of being a nutter. Uh, and then it's stopped one then fight, then they, two, three. Once I beat up four people and beat up some of the toughest girls, then they go, all right. She's not one to be messed with. And it's cool. So when I fell out with my friends and they stopped talking to me, they didn't fight me. They just ignore me.
0: Ooh, is that not worse in some ways?
1: I got used to it. Yeah?
0: That's
1: where my resilience comes from. And it's so funny because now all those girls <laughs> turn up at all my shows, they're my biggest fans. <laughs> my biggest fans. And I go, don't you remember when you used to call me names? Oh, yeah, but we were kids, Gina. I'm like, hmm. Yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> were you were you good at being alone before that period
0: of time, or did that come from that period of time?
1: Um, I think it came from it. Was, uh, you know, at home I was never alone. I have got two brothers, two sisters. We had a house full of people, but uh, yeah, at school, you know, you learnt to be self sufficient because you yeah. never knew who to trust and when they were going to turn yeah. against you. So I had to learn to manage on my own at school. So that, yeah,
0: and then uh, you realise it's actually quite nice being there. yeah now
1: i'm like but i do like my own space i like it yeah you know i don't feel lonely when i'm on my own like even sometimes when i'm traveling for months people don't that doesn't get lonely i'm like no it's great sometimes i'll just i can go and if i just want to veg out in the hotel room all day and do nothing but watch netflix i can with nobody saying we should do this why don't we go and do it's fucking great it's the best i love it yeah I, i love just doing nothing it's and best. it's really bad because I have sometimes I have hours and hours, and I'm like I should be writing now or, or writing a sitcom or doing something, and I'm like nah, nah, I just want to lie here <laughs> and watch YouTube for seven hours or watch gadget videos because I love gadgets. I will watch hours on the latest technology or the latest phone and what phone I'm what I'll spend hours doing that.
0: I love that. I spent I had a seven day holiday alone, and I thought oh, by day four I'll be really bored. Nope. Never... I could have have lived there forever. Just never left my hotel room. I love that. Yeah,
1: it's the best. It is. It's great. So, luckily I've got a girlfriend who understands. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, are you... I guess you must be an introvert. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I'm an introvert extrovert. When I'm out and about, I'm the life and soul of the party. And I have a good time. But not always. I can be at a party and... Like, you know, because you're a comedian, people expect you to be entertaining all the time. Sometimes... I just like to sit back and let my friends yeah, do it. And then people are like, are you all right? I'm like, I'm fine. I'm just, I'm chilling. Yeah. I don't always want to be. I hate comedians who are on all the time. It, I find it terrific. unbearable. Yeah. Unbearable.
0: Isn't that a lot in the in the States though? The, the few time, When I was in Montreal, I felt like all the comedians were very on all yeah, the time because they had to impress. Because they were in Montreal. All
1: right. Okay. they so desperate to be, you know. That's oh, people i like have been to my loads of times. I'm like, Ugh, I don't give a fuck. While they're all downstairs in the hotel bar, you know, I'm schmoozing. I'm up in my room. Yeah. I'm on Instagram going, I'm in my room. They're all downstairs getting pissed. I'm going to bed. Night. <laughs> I just don't care. You know, I've had so many disappointments over the years. I'm just like, I don't care anymore. Yeah. I'm not out here to impress people. If they like what I like, they will like what I do. Then they like what I, what I do. But you know, trying to kiss us, I can't do the whole sh- I'm not good at schmoozing. Oh god, it's the worst, isn't it? I hate schmoozing. Oh god. I, and, yeah. I've got managers who are good at that, so I go I've got a manager Jodie in America and I go, Jodie, go, go schmooze, go do your thing. I'll be in my room. Yeah. You know.
0: It's the worst because you kinda have to pretend. Isn't I that, can't the whole pretend thing? to
1: talk to people. I'm not interested in talking to I can't do it. The the no. it becomes awkwardly silent. I go, hmm. I find it difficult. Yeah. I s uh, you know. I can't pretend. It's, I find it difficult. So, yeah, I won't do it.
0: So, and also because you've gone all in on being you, because that's what you do. Yeah. And then why would you suddenly... I mean, that, we, we, I couldn't imagine you being different. I just can't do it.
1: No. I can't do it. I don't think you shit. Neither do I. I refuse. I <laughs> know, but my agents are getting pissed off at me as well because they keep sending me for auditions for things. Like, I just don't turn up. I just like, I don't want to do it. Or they send me, can you put yourself on tape for this? And i go, no. that's the worst. I hate auditioning. I don't care about acting. I don't. It's a terrible thing. I don't give a fuck. I just want to do this and make millions doing this so I can have the freedom to just do chunks of shows and then spend four months just sitting on a beach or whatever or yeah. just sitting on it. you know. I don't care about being in a movie or being a movie star, or being super famous. I I don't
0: care. I saw you said in an interview and I'm not sure I think must've been a few years ago where you said that there were room for two kinds of women. You could look either like Beyoncé yeah. or Precious. I don't know how old that interview was, but is that still do you still find that's the case when you do eventually have to go to an audition every once in a while?
1: Yeah, it's you know, I mean it's getting better cuz now they're getting using more lesbian characters on TV. <laughs> they got the token lesbian stuff, so I'm starting to get lesbian things. <laughs> Which is fine. <laughs> yeah. Because I look like one, so it's great. At least <laughs> that I have to go and try and go up for these roles where everybody's in high heels and weaves. And I'm like, this is not me at all. Oh God. And I can't do an American accent. I refuse to do an American oh accent. God. Yeah, I can't do it. But in a way, I've kind of got a block against it. Because I'm like, fuck them. Ricky Gervais doesn't have to do a fucking American accent. Russell Brand doesn't have to do an American accent. Why the fuck do I... I want to just be me. Yeah. Because I'm not an actor. I am yeah. me. I'm a character in myself. Let me just play myself. But obviously I have agents and they... <laughs> they send me stuff, and I, I, you know, I try and pretend that I'm interested, and go, ah, now this one, this role was not for me. Then most of the time, I've not even looked at the script. <laughs> Just, like, I'm not interested.
0: I went to one edition in in LA and she kept saying, I had to play an American and I kept saying, I can't, I can't, I just really can't. And she kept saying, Just try. And I was sitting there for 10 minutes going, Water. 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 I promise I can learn water. And she was like, It's not gonna, I I don't think it's gonna work.
1: I hate it. It's the the worst. I don't want to be an American. (laughs) No. But also you're sitting
0: in that that audition place with all these very nervous people who this is their whole life and maybe this is the one they get this part and you just kind of feel like a bit of a
1: like oh, I don't this isn't for, give it to one of them they yeah, really just, really want this yeah, I just don't give a shit. So I don't and I don't like auditions because I feel I don't feel confident at all in auditions. I hate them so much because I know I can't do an American accent. Mm-hmm. I've never had an acting lesson in my life. I'm just not interested in it. So I'm like, these are actors. I'm not an actor. And I bet you also, you want to be, wouldn't you, I feel like
0: you'd prefer for a casting director, whatever they're called, to come to one of your shows and go, that's her, I want that. Yeah,
1: and just write a part based around my character so I can just be myself. Yeah. Which is what they do for Russell Brand and Gervais and people like that. I want someone to do that for me. I don't want to go in and try and be somebody else. I'm a mad character and an individual character as I am. Fucking... Put me as I am in any sitcom. I'll steal every scene. Do you yeah. not want to write something then? Or do you I just want actually, to do... Yeah? I have actually uh, done a treatment for a sitcom. Basic, kind of uh, loosely based on my life as a comedian who's reasonably well known in England and then goes to America and nobody knows who the fuck I am. Because I'm the only person that's done it this way. If you look at all the other comedians that have gone to America, they've all gone with that stardom already in England. so Eddie Izzard went to America already as a star in England, so he had all that backing. Russell Brand, same thing. Ricky Gervais, same thing. I went in, nobody knew who I was. so I started from the bottom, earning nothing, struggling to get work, and I've slowly over the last 10 years built myself up in in America. So no other comedian has done it that way. So I've, I've sort of written a treatment for sitcom based on that, where I've come over and nobody knows me and I'm... Living in a shit flat, I mean, I, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> living in a shit flat with roommates, which I never did. I'm OCD, never did that. But, you know, just doing the whole, I've come to America for the dream and it started off shit and yeah. I'm working my way. <laughs> so Everyone then, can relate to that. That's so, so yeah, relatable. But I'm pitching that right now. But we'll see what happens. That's so cool. If not, I'll just fucking make it myself.
0: That's exciting. I have... Because I filmed my my second, my first show was filmed by the BBC and they did all the decisions. What was that? What show was that? My first show, Bubble Rap, my first uh, stand-up show. Oh, okay, yeah. great, right. And that was whatever that was. But I yeah. also now I have no control over it yeah. at all because they own it, they own exactly. everything. And I don't like that they own my But then I filmed it myself on Monday, my second show.
1: And how did it go? It, that, I think it went, I mean, and, it went well. Doesn't that feel good when it you feels own
0: it? It, it, i feel like i've i felt like it sounds so stupid i felt like that was the day i became an adult because all of a sudden i could say to people no you film this instead And i want to do this and this song has to be used by this song and they just did it and i was like holy shit this is, this is time. good i've it? done something and i own it and it's mine and
1: it's oh yours. my god and it's a great feeling because yeah. then you can now sell it onto them yeah and license it to them yeah and that's the that's the power in it because like when i sell these specials i go right you've got it for Three years, and after that, it reverts back to me. And they've only got it in North America. So if I want to sell it again in England, I sell it again for more money. If I want to sell it again in Australia, I it and it's mine, I yeah. own all the rights. Yeah, A lot of comedians don't know the power of owning your own material. Oh, my God. Never sign it away. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's such, a, it's such a
0: powerful feeling. Even
1: sitting in the room with the editor going, no, that camera, Do go to that one, cut the joke kit. So I just handed them a finished product. Don't fuck with it. It's done. There you go. So, when you were a teenager, did you, if someone told you as a
0: teenager that this was going to be your life, would you have believed it?
1: No, I don't think I would. Why not? Because I was meant to be a doctor. (laughs) But you were funny. I was funny, but you know, I was a black girl from East London, and all the guys on TV, apart from Lenny Henry, were white blokes. So, you never think you're going to be one of those. I just, ne- it, ne- I never even considered it. And even when I started doing comedy, I still didn't consider it until I got on TV. Then I was like, oh shit, oh, this is how it's done. Oh, oh, well then I can do this. And then it changed, you know. But up until that point, I was like, TV? No, I'm, I'm Gina from Beth Green. How's that going to work?
0: Do you ever consider how many? Other genos from Bethnal Green see you on TV and go, ah, oh,
1: I can do that. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of the young black com- comics now coming up. There, uh, yeah. I can see. Let's say my influences stroke material, <laughs> 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 but you know that's what happens when you're a trendsetter. You start, you know, you kick open the door. Other people, are gonna, you can't. They're going to come through the door behind you. That's how it works. So, yeah, I cool. know there's a lot of people, comics, that have going, oh, yeah, I used to watch you. I'm like, oh, yeah, all right, shut up. you too me feel old.
0: <laughs> the, the previous person I talked to today, he said, uh, who's coming in after me? And I said, oh, it's Tia Yashara. And he went, <gasps>
1: <laughs>
0: and I was like, yeah, yeah, she's good. <laughs>
1: That's so funny. And I feel like I should have the money. It goes with that respect and fame, which I don't have, which is very irritating to me. Isn't it? But that's the business, though. <sighs> Isn't it? Yeah, but fucking, look how some of these guys are making so much money from being mediocre. Let's be fair. Not all of them. I think Michael McIntyre is fantastic. I don't care what anybody says. No, He's obviously good at good he's this. fucking great. Yeah, of course. He's funny. All right, what he talks about is Bernard. So what? There's rooms for all types of comedy. Not everybody has to be super political or super fucking surreal or super intelligent. Sometimes you just want to laugh at the number of wires you've got in your kitchen drawer, whatever. So what? Yeah. I hate that fucking snobbishness and, and judgment, you know, in, in comedy. I hate it. Ugh. Do you have any regrets? Regrets? Uh, I regret I stayed with my previous previous agent way too long. <laughs> yeah. Because he, he, yeah, he didn't, he didn't f- steer my career the way he should have done. He made me do a lot of talking heads, which okay. then, then I became disrespected for. Oh, she's on every talking head. So that became something to diss me with, even though it gave me a lot of exposure. So I don't, but you know, and when it came to a point where I was starting to, you know, it was Ian Stone. He turned around to me once. So I, I was doing lots of really good stuff. And I hosted the MOBO Awards with Coolio one year and, <laughs> and another famous rapper the following year. And then the next night after the MOBO Awards, I'm being driven around in a Mercedes. being have been dressed by millions of, loads of people, getting the whole style treatment, hosting this show that's shown all throughout Europe, millions of people seeing it. And the next day I was in Jonglers Watford. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> And Ian Stone turns to me and goes, Gina, no disrespect, but what the fuck are you doing here? I never forget that conversation. I hope Ian Stone remembers that conversation. He goes, what the fuck are you doing here? And I remember thinking, what am I doing here? My agent should be looking to get me on tours and get me in theatres, and he's not. He's just pimping me out to these i mean junglers was great i loved doing junglers they paid my mortgage for seven years but i'd reached a level where i should be able to i was and that was one of the things that made me go i've got to get so that was one of my regrets i took too long to realize that i was you know deserved better i deserve better yeah yeah that's it what other regrets?
0: No, you don't seem like a regretting type no which i think is kind of cool
1: I just, <laughs> I just do look, I'm a person I do it If I want to do it I will try it If it doesn't work Great But at least I tried it And I go Fuck it Well I tried it It didn't work So and yeah I'm not one for regrets I'm trying to think Of anything else I might regret
0: uh, No I mean I could, why would you You're in a good place
1: I could be in a better
0: place Yeah but that doesn't seem Like that's down to you And your hard work <sighs> Right Maybe. Do you feel like you, you, you think you could, you could be working harder or Maybe You think?
1: Yeah Like some comedians spend all their spare time writing And pre- writing sitcoms and writing scripts I don't do any of that shit
0: Right
1: And I'm like maybe I should Maybe I should be creating stuff and not waiting For people to give me stuff And in a way I am That's why I film my own stand-up specials But maybe I need to do more maybe I need to you know that's why I wrote that treatment I was like well this is something I'm passionate but I'm one of those people though if I write something and I I pitch it to a couple of people and they go nah no, that's not a fluff I'll go oh maybe this is shit Uh and then I lose interest in it and that's what's happened because that show that I pitched I pitched it eight nine years ago when I first moved to America I was like I want to do a I want to do a sitcom stroke reality, kind of a curvy enthusiast type thing. Follow me on my journey from England, where no everybody knows me. So I pitched it to new channels in America and try and pitched it in the UK. And people were like, nah. And then I was like, oh. And then I lost interest in it and put it away. And then only in the last year, I was like, maybe I should create something. I need to create something for myself. Well, I'm not going to get a sitcom. They're not going to give it to me because I don't fit the look and and then i was like i'm going to revisit that idea because i can't think of anything else to write because <laughs> i'm not a ideas you know you give me an idea and i'll write every joke but to actually come up with the whole concept i'm not into that so then i looked at this idea and rewrote it and then pitched it and then i got a lot of interest and so i'm like oh okay this is good and i'm hoping something comes from it but if it doesn't then i'm going to be like oh, and then put it away for another 10 years because that's what i'm like
0: but that does cause how does that resonate with you being someone who doesn't care what people think?
1: I know, but it's just weird, because I don't think I'm good at writing sitcoms and coming up with these things, and then if it doesn't go well, then I go, yeah, maybe I'm shit at that.
0: Oh, so it's, so it's stand-up is another thing, because you know you
1: I know at I'm that. good at this, and right, I know. So
0: you're now visiting, like, a new thing. Yeah. It's bit, is that a bit scary yeah. or a bit
1: yeah definitely scary because I'm like I don't know what I'm doing here this is I've never gone to I don't know how to write a script I've never written a script I don't even know if I'm doing it right I just write it how I think it should look
0: yeah
1: and but I'm like I don't know what I'm doing and I don't want to do a course because I find all that gain of courses I find all that tedious I don't want to do any of that shit so yeah it's new that's new to me and a little bit scary because I'm like I don't know but I've got the ideas so, you know, if this channel was to pick it up, I'd go, right, now I need writers. Because <laughs> I don't want to sit and write this whole thing. Because I've got a very short attention span. My stand-up doesn't come from me sitting in a room writing. It comes from me just being on stage and having an idea and saying it. And if it gets to life, I go, great. And then I do it again the next night. I can't sit in a room. I've got, yeah, no. So that's the scary part. Trying different things that pertain to my career, that's scary. So, yeah, the whole script and writing things and creating projects. And, yeah. I still don't know the difference between a producer and a director. I have no. And
0: promoter either. I, I have no idea. I
1: just. It, it, that stuff doesn't interest me. Yeah. And I feel like I should be interested, so I, I should yeah. know the stuff, but I don't. I'm like, if I could just make my living just going on stage and telling jokes, that's all I would do. Yeah. So that's scary. You know, stuff like that.
0: What if? So I always ask the same question at the end of all, all the podcasts. Okay so we're back in the, in the room where you were born right? right. You, have, you're, you're, you just came, came out teeny tiny Gina right. and you're as terrified because that's what babies are because there's lights and sounds and they were just in the room and it's all very scary and you know what's going to happen in the next many years of this baby's life so you get to say something to the scared little oh. baby about the, it doesn't have to be a, you don't have to change anything in your life but maybe you just want to tell the baby something that it would like to know because you know what's all the, everything is gonna uh, it's gonna experience what will you say to a little baby you
1: oh that's a hard one uh, you're gonna be okay uh, just follow your instincts and your guts and it will lead you in the right direction just and have fun just enjoy yourself that's it just do what you enjoy follow your gut and don't let anybody ever tell you that you're not good enough. That's
0: beautiful. Yeah. That's good.
1: That's pretty good, right? Do you still
0: need to be told
1: that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Doesn't everybody? Yeah.
0: Definitely.
1: I know I have this outward shell of super confidence, but I'm not always super confident. I'm confident in certain aspects of my life. Stand-up comedy, you can't tell me shit. I know I'm good at this. I know. But everything else, it's up for grabs. Even relationships, I'm not super confident all the girlfriends I've had most of them have uh, uh, approached me mm. I'm not that confident not at all so there you go
0: thank you so much where can we uh, where can people go and see what you're doing
1: my website ginayashere.com. G i n a y a s h e r e. g-i-n-a-y-a-s-h-e-r-e.com so everything's there my calendar's there links to all my stuff And yes, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and you just type Gina Yashray. I keep it very simple. Just type my name in. I will come up.
0: Amazing. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you. That was Gina Yashray. I hope I uh, did it justice. Um, She's so, I mean, yeah, she's obviously a, a, a fucking cool person. Um, if you want to in any way help out this podcast, go and share it with your friends, someone you like, someone you think would uh, would enjoy it. I'd love to see you on the Facebook page, which is called Made of Human Podcast. I'd love to see you on Twitter at Podmo, P-O-D-M-O-H. Obviously, five-star review on iTunes, if you haven't done that already. I'm, uh, I'm gathering my favorite iTunes quotes on the new website, madeofhumanpodcast.com. And, uh, just, I have some of my favorites in there. You can go and test, uh, and check them out under testimonies. I think I've called them testimonials. Pro- Anyways, favorite quotes is what it's called. Um, yeah, so, so, uh, so that would obviously mean a lot. I feel like I'm asking too much of you. I'm like, buy my t-shirt, or uh, because and I'm so grateful for so many of you actually supporting this. There are people who have decided to donate via Patreon, which is a page uh, where you can go and uh, you can sign up for like a monthly no not a, like a monthly or an episode like a amount per episode. It it all makes sense when you go to Patreon.com forward slash M O H P O D. And on the new website made of human podcast under donate, you can now donate a one off amount and that's great so many of you have asked me how to do that so now you can just donate whatever you feel like donating it could be like a one-off for all the episodes you've had what what's this like the 29th or something episode you could donate 29 pounds if that makes sense to you i don't know that's just to get some kind of example um but patreon is my favorite thing i appreciate everything obviously it all touches me deeply because this is my favorite thing to do and um so so you but patreon i just love it because it's it's I have people's names and their little emoticons and all of that. So I now want to say thank you to the people who have chosen to donate. Now, if I've had a few emails from people saying that I'm not mentioning their names, even though they are giving uh, more than $5 per episode. And that's the whole deal. Like, I'm going to say your name if you donate more than $5 per episode. But uh, when you do donate, you can choose whether or not you want the reward. And the reward is this so I have a long list of people who have not chosen that reward which means that you know I'm not going to say and I assume that's because you don't want your names read out loud which is fair enough Um, but just so you know you can go and um, you can go and change that so that you will be on the list on my computer of people who will have their names read out loud which I'm not sure if you want to because get this I'm about to do it now and it is painful okay okay Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I want to say thank you to Zach Hillica, Robert Knowles, Eve Wink- Wing, Wingerath? Wink- Wingerath, Wingerath? Jesus. Uh, Victoria Greer, Marnie Biles, Phil Vabulus, Olivia Hove, Hove? Joe C, Sylvia Novak, Georgia Brown, Kathy, Emma Walton, Andy Walker, Geraldo, Ashlyn Cronin, Claire, Jane Young, Michelle Lincoln, Russell Hughes, Danny Beckett, Fiona Richardson, Claire Lamb, Rachel, Grace uh, Sutter, Uh, I I even asked Grace somewhere how to pronounce her name and I forgot it, Grace Sutter, Kate Piller, Harold Van Dijk, Amy Couch, uh, Eleanor, Emily Rose Delks, uh, Helen Galliard, sarah ferrara Seth, sheree dunphy emily glover and daniel rifashid i saw daniel rifashid on twitter uh, just his name pop up somewhere and i was like oh, that name it's that name <laughs> it's that name i don't know how to say um and then i know uh uh joe green as well uh joe green was on the, the other list but, but um but wrote me and and uh and said that i hadn't Hadn't set the name. So I have to set that now. But do go in and change it, because I, I can't remember all these things. I'm sorry for, for butchering all of your names. I think you have lovely names. But, you know, seriously, can you all just be called, like, Emma Smith or something? That would make everything so much easier. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, thank you for, for listening to this. Thank you for helping. You've done, oh, I mean, so I feel like you're doing way more for me than I'm doing for you. And if there's anything I can do to pay you back, let me know. I, uh, I, I just want to, you know... I just want to keep making this good and I don't want to disappoint you. So thank you for listening. Thank you to Bailey Leonard for my jingle, to Linda Brinkhouse for my logo and to Phoenix Artists Club and Peter Dunbar for letting me record episodes there. Thank you so, so much. I will speak to you next week and have a wonderful International Women's Day. Yay!